Welcome into the newest edition of the Checkerboard Chat. So we start a new semester here at UT, and we have a little more UT sports news as Tennessee started fall camp on Monday, and their full schedule in order announced as well on Monday, and Jeremy Pruitt meeting with the local media for the first time in a couple months on Monday. So a lot of new news, but I think uh, just to start out, I think the schedule is the biggest thing. Ryan, I'll go ahead and run through it here one time and then just go ahead and get your instant thoughts. But Tennessee will start the year at South Carolina. Week two, we'll have Missouri at home. Week three, we'll travel to Georgia. Week four, we'll have Kentucky at home. Week five, we'll have Alabama at home. Week six is the bye week, so right in the middle of the season. Week seven, they'll travel to Arkansas. Week eight, get Texas A&M at home. Week nine, travel to Auburn. Week 10, travel to Vanderbilt. And then the regular season finale on December the 5th will be Florida at Neyland Stadium. Ryan, what were your initial thoughts amongst seeing the release of Tennessee's schedule? I think they got dealt a tough hand. They've got a lot of tough opponents. Um, you've got Texas A&M, Auburn were both, you know, pretty stacked competition, both with a lot of experience in dealing with big games. Uh, I feel like this is a type of season that could go many ways. Uh, you've got – a few teams that they should beat, uh, like Missouri and Vanderbilt. But then you have South Carolina, Kentucky, who that, that could be a chance to slip up. Uh, as well, she'll have games like Auburn, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, Florida. They're all going to be really tough games that Tennessee should have a shot to win, but it's definitely going to be a, a tall task to get that done. Yeah, I think certainly – last week or I guess a week and a half ago when you saw who the additional two additional opponents would be it wasn't the best draw for Tennessee or I guess not draw best not the best decision from the SEC helping out Tennessee any adding Texas A&M and Auburn but I thought today with the actual order of the games I think it was overall pretty pretty kind to Tennessee you have two pretty winnable games at the start and then that's the two things one of the things that stood out the most and then the big thing to me is moving forward into the last game. That's something Phil Fulmer has wanted to be wanted to do for 20 years, going back to in the nineties when that was the marquee game every year in the league. And that game's just been played on the last week once in 2001 due to nine 11, that game got postponed and Tennessee won in a game that was for the SEC East. So I think that's while Tennessee got a bad draw on who they picked up, they certainly got some wins, I think, in how the schedule particularly laid out. Not a ton of really hard games back-to-back. I guess Texas A&M and Auburn would be the only two where you have that. And in a 10-game schedule, when you're playing five or six pretty strong teams, you're not going to get too much better than that, I don't think. Yeah, one thing that stood out to me, actually two things. So for Georgia and Alabama, they have that huge marquee game on the 17th. You know, that's smack dab in between when Georgia and Alabama are playing. So when, when they're coming to that Georgia game that week before, there's obviously a chance for Georgia to kind of look forward to maybe get caught looking uh, towards that Alabama game, maybe get caught by Tennessee there. Uh, and then Alabama, of course, you know, coming the week after, uh, you know, it was Lester Kroon, Sylvester Kroon told a story from Bear Bryant, you know, if the, if they, the team you play wins the next week, it means you didn't hit them hard enough. So, you know, that's going to be a hard-hitting game. They're going to get lucky to play Alabama that game week right after. 
And then with the Florida game, I think there's two things working with it there. One, they're coming – it's after the Vanderbilt game, which already is a – granted, Tennessee hasn't had the best record against them. It has been one of the more weaker teams, and they've been a team that in the SEC has faced the most players who have opted out from COVID. So that's going to decimate an already weak roster. And then also with – we don't know whether or not the attendance of fans or anything like that and, you know, that's something that it's less likely we're going to see fans in the early games, but it, that's we know even less about a game in December. So I think there's a better chance that Tennessee could have fans, and especially in a game like that that's so tight and a fan base like Tennessee, that could be such a huge advantage to actually get fans in the stands for Florida. Yeah, I think that's a good point and something I heard someone else say today too, which – that's probably the biggest game that Tennessee, you know, would want to be able to get fans in the stands for. And obviously it being later in the season would make you think there's a better chance there. Building off your point about Georgia, you know, Georgia plays Alabama in a week following Tennessee, but a week before they play Tennessee, they actually play Auburn. So two of, I mean, probably Georgia's two biggest games of the season, I guess Florida would be in there two and her three biggest games of the season are right around the Tennessee game. So I think that definitely falls in a good position for Tennessee, especially considering when they get South Carolina in week one and Missouri in week two, well, certainly not locks of games that Tennessee is going to win, but a game, games that I think they expect to win. But I'll go, that's kind of twofold because I think South Carolina is one of the games that is, while Tennessee expects to win, it's when they certainly could lose. South Carolina has pretty solid talent, even though they haven't been able to put it together Picture well, I think that's going to be a very high-pressure game for Tennessee. Something to be interesting to watch because obviously Pruitt's first two years, the season openers have not gone particularly well. Obviously a lopsided defeat in his first year against a good West Virginia team. And then obviously the catastrophic start to the last season that was the loss to Georgia State. So that's something that makes that game even more interesting to watch and I think the one thing that would be going good for Tennessee in the fact is that South Carolina has a new offense coordinator in Mike Bobo, and that's, you know, getting them week one after an offseason that's been so strange, I think could be possibly beneficial for Tennessee. I think something you also got to watch for in that South Carolina game is you're going to have two quarterbacks who are coming out looking to prove something, both in coming off not ideal situation the year before. Garantano, obviously everyone knows his struggles benched back and forth, you know, late game heroics, but also some late game, you know, atrocity, you know, or bad mistakes there, whatever, bad choices. And then you've also got Jake Bentley, or my bad, Ryan Helensky, who was trading back and forth with Jake Bentley and, you know, a lot of troubles going on there, couldn't get the quarterback position set. There's some, a very similar situation to Tennessee. So you have both quarterbacks looking to – you got I think there's a chance that both of them would try and outperform uh, – their abilities and, and try and play out of their shoes to try and, you know, solidify that spot in week one. Yeah, I think do think that's something that plays well for Tennessee. JG, Jared Garantano has really played well the past two years against South Carolina. Obviously last year was when he didn't start, came in, played well through two touchdowns to Jawan Jennings, and then on the second one broke his wrist and, you know, didn't, finished that game but played well and then two years ago in the loss at South Carolina played pretty well in that game too so a team that he should have some confidence against this will be his fourth start against South Carolina against Will Muschamp he should be pretty 
well in tune to what they want to do on defense and some of their looks. So it, it should be something that potentially plays well for Tennessee. Moving off of the schedule and into Jeremy Pruitt, meeting with the media today, a handful of interesting news. Obviously not too much player updates just being a day into fall camp. But the biggest news is Cade Mays' immediate eligibility waiver was denied as the Georgia transfer currently will not be able to play when Tennessee kicks off the season September 26th at South Carolina. Pruitt said Tennessee is appealing that decision. Ryan, a, a surprise there, but a stark reminder that nothing is ever a given with the NCAA. Yeah, I think the key is how has Tennessee's staff been treating it? Because if you look at the fan base, they have pretty much been penciling him in as the starter, you know, oh, no problem, the, the NCAA will approve him. It's an easy shut, an open and shut case. So I think you, you have, if you're a Tennessee fan, you want to hope that, that at least that within the coaching staff, they have sat there and said, okay, we think there's a good shot, but we're not, you know, we hope that they've given him the, they've given him and the second string equal opportunities, trying, you know, don't just, because you, you don't want to come in with an underworks second string in that situation like that and, and like really hurt your depth when, you know, that that's when you're counting on something like that and just you put too many eggs in that basket for it not to work because, you know, the NCAA being the NCAA. Yeah, I think that is one of the things that will play well for Tennessee is that offensive line is – if there's a position where you could lose a starter, that's probably the one. Now, Cade Mays is a guy that, you know, a lot of preseason magazines have a second, third – you know, all SEC team guy. So a big loss either way. But, you, have, you know, he was expected to start at right tackle. You have Jerome Carvin still there. He was a sophomore last season, started about half the season. You have Riley Locklear, who's a guy whose ceiling is not quite as high, but he started some games at right, right guard. And then Karon Calvert, most people think he'll be competing with Darnell Wright for the starting right tackle position, but he's also played some guard as well. So Tennessee has options there, and they, you know, Obviously, they'll be working on the the appeal, hoping that they can get it flipped. But they have, you know, five or six weeks to figure out exactly what they want to do with the offensive line. It's not like this decision came a week before the season started and then you have to start building some continuity with new guys. You have plenty of time. So certainly uh, not a decision Tennessee wanted to hear and one they will work to hope to try to overturn, but not a – catastrophic thing for this season. I think it's almost more than anything just a disappointment for Cade Mays is, you know, I think his plan was to come play one year at Tennessee and to go to the NFL. We'll see how things change now if he doesn't play this season. Ryan, anything else what else from Pruitt's press conference today stood out to you? I mean, just, again, you know, that they're dealing with a lot of the same things that everyone else is dealing with, you know, you know, how to – come up with the right testing protocols and quarantine protocols and, you know, dealing with a lack of spring practice and adjusting that. But I think that generally like every other team, you watch our knocks, it's there's ready to go out and play some ball. Like let's, we've had all this time of uncertainty. Let's, let's just get back to the one thing we know. Let's go play football, uh, you know, get this season out of the way. Yeah, I agree with that. And one thing that I thought was interesting and didn't necessarily know is Pruitt's, you know, the OTAs they were able to start doing in, you know, pretty early in July. Pruitt's, you know, kind of pushed back the notion that they've been doing that for a couple of weeks now, saying that 
they didn't start right after the 4th of July. You know, they had all the players come back after the 4th, had ten, eight days off around the 4th of July, and then had some positive tests after that. So they were a little slow in getting things going on that front. So that was certainly interesting. They may not be quite as far along on some install stuff, but they still have five days before they put on the full pads. that They'll be able to continue to do that. I guess the other biggest thing along news that Pruitt broke was that Jeremy Banks is officially back on the team. I don't think that was a surprise to anyone. He'd been still enrolled at UT and pretty publicly around Knoxville the past couple months since his removal from the Tennessee football team. But certainly a move that gives Tennessee some depth and options at inside linebacker and one that you see Pruitt giving a little more, you know, another second second chance situation similarly that he did to Jawan Jennings when he came first got to Tennessee. Moving on to a couple other newses from Jeremy Pruitt's press conference, Balin Buchanan, who hasn't suited up since the 2018 season while he dealt with a spine injury last year, is going to once again miss the 2021 season. Pruitt said he's not officially medical, you know, retiring, but certainly not something that seems good, Ryan, for Buchanan, Buchanan's future to what would have been his fifth, fifth year, senior year, to be sitting out again for the same injury that he had to sit out the year before with. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't want to see a guy injured like that. You wish him the best of luck. Uh, but you want him to make smart decisions. You know, if it's just not right for him to continue playing football, you know, he's got to make the right decision. You know, be smart and, you know, make, you know, think long term uh, for your future and just work on getting your degree and finishing up strong here. Yeah, absolutely. He's a guy I know that has stayed close uh, around the program, even in the times that he hasn't been playing. But that should do it for this edition of the Checkerboard Chat with your two co-sports editors at the Daily Beacon, Ryan Cruz and Ryan Shuppert. Ryan, thanks for joining me. It's uh, fun, as always, to get some actual football to talk about. Hopefully we'll have more of that the next month as things march towards the start of the season and then hopefully a fall full of safe, safe yes. football. All right, that's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for joining us.